Writing with Children's book author Jennifer Elvgren. A former print journalist, Jennifer's children's books have received countless awards, and her work has also appeared on the ALA Children's Notable Book and Bank Street College Best Book List. When she was asked by us to write a children's biography about Helen Keller, Jennifer accepted with a happy heart. She tried to tell Helen's story beyond the wellhouse pump and highlight her support of suffragettes, the African-American community, and her worldwide work for people with disabilities. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Building Knowledge Podcast. Today, I have with me um, one of the authors of our biography series, Voices in History, and this is Jennifer Elfren. And when Jennifer was in second grade, her grandmother bought her a book about Helen Keller. She read it cover to cover over and over again. And then Jennifer took out and read every book from the library about Helen that she could find. Over the years, Jennifer pondered the strength and courage that Helen possessed learning to read, write, and speak while facing challenges at every turn. Her love and admiration for Helen has only grown stronger, and she is actually the author of the Helen Keller biography in our series. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be here. So first of all, I always like to have our authors tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work. Okay, so books have always been a part of my life. My parents are great readers. Um, and from pre-K on, my earliest memories are Saturday trips to the library with my dad. And I loved everything about the books. I loved like the crinkle of the protective covers. I loved like how the books smell. I still kind of smell books sometimes. I don't know. Uh, and um, like the colorful artwork. And then of course the story. Um, my childhood books, they've stayed with me everywhere I've moved. Um, and they're the, some of them are the original copies. Some have fallen apart and been replaced, but Somehow in childhood, like these are the characters that or the historical figures that captured my imagination. And I just uh, they've just sort of become a part of who I am. Um, you know, so books like fiction, like um, Judy Bloom, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing are still in my heart. Um, Catherine Patterson, Bridge to Terabithia, Jacob Have I Loved, Tuck Everlasting, Natalie Babbitt. And of course, Helen Keller. Um, Thanks to the books that my grandmother bought me. And I, I want to sort of tell a little bit more about that. At that time, we lived in Kentucky or on the Ohio border, um, Ohio Kentucky border. And the school that I briefly attended was very underfunded and had a very, very small library that was just several bookshelves in a classroom. They had a book about Helen Keller but they deemed that it was too hard for me to read. And so they wouldn't give it to me. And that is what prompted my Pittsburgh grandmother to send me every book about Helen Keller. Um, so um, that's a, so I, I think too, that on the path to being a writer, um, writers typically read more than they write. Um, and it's just, something that happens and it makes you a better writer the more that you read. Um, so reading was my first love before I discovered writing, um, which happened in later elementary school. I really uh, started enjoying writing um, the little fiction projects that we were given. And from there, 
every opportunity of a writing class throughout middle school, high school, I, I took. Um, I majored in English, English in college, majored in journalism in grad school. And I didn't really start writing for children or have an interest in writing for children um, until I took a, an elective that was writing for children in grad school. Um, and I really was hooked then of the possibilities of all the stories that I could tell, the stories that um, stories that potentially could help children um, problem solve, figure out who they were. Um, stories that had a lot of heart. And so that sort of became my focus with my personal writing. And of course, I worked for newspapers and magazines for quite a few years, but um, the children's writing really replaced that as my first love in writing. And when my second child was born, that's sort of when I decided I'm going to stay home, make the switch, um, and write exclusively for children. And so that led into uh, my first publication of children's fiction was Highlights for Children. Then I moved into Ladybug and Spider and wrote for a while for them. And that evolved into writing picture books. I have three published picture books. Um, and I, you know, I spend just a lot of time reading and writing. Um, personally, I live um, out in the country with my husband. I have one grown son. I've got a daughter in uh, college and I've got a daughter in high school. Um, personally, I love horses and rescue animals and music. I play flute. Um, and of course, I read a lot and write a lot. So that's a little bit about my pathway to publishing and sort of what I do in my free time. I love that you talked about going to the library and, and this love of reading that was instilled with you as a child and about the actual physical books, because as much as it's easy to download a book onto your Kindle or whatever, there's something about that book and that smell. And in fact, my daughter loves that smell so much. I bought her a candle. So any of you guys listening, go on Etsy. And there are people that actually make candles that smell like books. And it really does smell like old books in the library. And it'll just like oh, immediately take you back to that time. Oh, that's amazing. I wrote a note. I'm going to do that. <laughs> oh, they're, they're really good. Um, so you, like I mentioned, you're, you've written the biography for core knowledge about Helen Keller. So how did you actually go about researching to write about this? So I tried to be very careful since I grew up reading a lot of the um, children's biographies about Helen Keller. I was very careful. Actually, I went out of my way not to read them when I was doing research because I didn't want to put that um, the you know that sort of plot arc that in my head. I wanted to start from scratch. One of the things that I was looking to do um, was tell more about her life beyond the wellhouse pump. A lot of the biographies um, for children are just um, talk about how she was born and how she lost her sight, how she lost her hearing, um, and what 
that did to her as a child and caused her to act out and have different negative behaviors. And then how that led to Annie Sullivan teacher and the, the wellhouse pump. Yes. All of those things definitely must be included. If you are going to do a cradle to grave biography, I mean, you have to include that, but I wanted to weight it differently. And I wanted to have that only be a portion of it because Helen's life is so um, expansive and interesting. I mean, she accomplished so many things um, for someone, A, who was a woman in that time, and B, who was deaf and blind and couldn't speak. Uh, she is so remarkable in so many arenas that I wanted to um, make sure that I touched on those, like giving um, a very good base for what happened to her and how she made the connection in her head between words and objects or words and feelings, um, which was more tricky than the objects. But afterwards, uh, you know, her mind just exploded and took off. And so I wanted to really address that in the book. So going off of that, what were the most interesting things that you learned about Helen Keller? Um, things that maybe you discovered that you didn't know about, even though you have have you know, grown up with reading her biographies. Right. And, you know, you look at things um, with a different perspective with adult eyes. And so maybe some of the things that I had once read just became more poignant to me now as an adult, um, just with a little bit more knowledge of how the world works and how things are can be very difficult for a person in her position. Helen was a prolific writer. She wrote 14 books and more than 475 speeches and essays. And her work spanned from her very first um, book was her autobiography, which of course I used in my research. Uh, she wrote poetry. She commented um, and wrote a lot of essays about religion. She wrote frequently about optimism and tried to live her life um, in optimism. Uh, she wrote poetry. She wrote a lot about Annie Sullivan and their relationship, wrote a lot about nature. Um, one of the most compelling essays that I read was what would she do if she only had three days to see? That was the um, premise of this essay. And her very first thing, um, she wanted to memorize and stare at her family and sort of have those images burned in her retina and stored so she could recall them after the three days. So her family and Annie Sullivan and then her dogs were priority. Helen was a big dog lover, always had a dog with her. Um, her childhood dog's name was Belle. And she used to um, after she worked with Annie and learned how to fingerspell, she would very often take Belle's paw and fingerspell into the paw. From there, she always had a dog and they were her comfort, her constant companions. Um, if she had had a bad day, a wagging tail would lift her spirits. And um, so that those were the, her top three things that she would want to see. And then, you know, she would go on and talk about the different things in nature, a sunrise, a sunset, things that we all take for granted and love, but she 
has only imagined. So those, I, I just thought that was one of her very most compelling essays. So what do you hope that students will take away from reading the book? Um, so I am hoping that they um, just have an idea of what it would be like not to be able to see and hear um, and have an understanding of what she accomplished in that with those disabilities. Helen was the first deaf blind student to attend Radcliffe College, which is at that time was the sister college of the all-male Harvard. Um, she was the first person that graduated from any institution of higher learning, and she graduated in 1904 with honors. And for students to kind of think about how, you know, what their homework looks like compared to what her homework would have looked like. So since she wasn't able to read or listen to lectures, one of two things had to happen. Annie would sit in classes with her and fingerspell in her hands. Sometimes there would be um, time. And so Braille uh, books were not um, easily had. And so a lot of times books would have to be embossed and made into Braille, especially for her. And so maybe they would just do, you know, one of a textbook. And so sometimes if they didn't, weren't able to get that, Annie would have to spell into her hand, would, you know, be reading and spelling, finger spelling into Helen's hand. And so homework and lectures and writing things on a Braille typewriter took exponentially longer uh, than any type of homework would do today, that, would, that anybody would do today. So I, I would like them to keep that in mind. Um, I would also like them to think about um, how to help others. That was a theme in Helen's life. And so one of the things that is lesser known about Helen, which I find very compelling, um, is her um, humanitarian, uh, and, um, the things that she did uh, in the humanitarian realm. Uh, for instance, when she was young, Helen sensed the difference between herself, that she was able to understand that she had a lot of plentiful food and clothing. And there was a point in her childhood that she recognized that some of the Black children in her surroundings didn't have that. They didn't have food and they didn't have clothing. So this real realization planted in her um, seeds for her future humanitarian work. She... Um, the NAACP was new in 1916, and she was very famous by that time. And she was one of the first people to step up and donate $100 to that group. And it was a, in a very public manner. And she was hoping she would lead the way for other people to look into this organization and support it. At that time, um, the NAACP had uh, a newspaper and Helen allowed her essays to be published in that newspaper, um, once again, hoping to draw attention to the group. Um, she became a founding member of the ACL ACLU in 1920. I, if I did know that as a child, it just, you know, it went right over my head. Um, so I feel like if students read about her and discover sort of, um, all the things that she was interested in and in helping the world that maybe that might inspire them to step out 
and maybe support some things that they had been thinking about, things that were on their heart. So maybe she can inspire them still today. Um, on, On that same note, Helen was also a suffragist and spoke very, um, very often about uh, women being able to vote. So she was born into a world where that didn't happen. Women were not voting. Um, And so uh, she spoke frequently about that. Um, And in 1909, she joined the suffragist movement. movement. She spoke regularly to leaders from that movement on the phone. Or Well, she spoke regularly to them through phone calls, through Annie translating and with meetings and through letters. Um, so, um, so she also participated in 1913 was one of the first suffragist parades in Washington, DC. She was present and it was very exciting for her that, um, she actually did see, um, the United States adopt the the uh, suffragist position and allow women to vote. So it was exciting for her to live through that uh, time period and actually be able to vote herself. Um, and so once again, I'm hoping the students do look around them and that would inspire them to um, reach out to people. And even, so some of these things that I'm talking about seem like very big problems in a very big world. And sometimes when you're in fourth grade, which is what this biography is aimed toward, maybe it's not, you're looking at huge picture right then, but maybe it's the person sitting beside you or the person um, in the lunchroom that doesn't have anyone to sit with. And so maybe on they so maybe she can inspire them to reach out in their own realm, in their own comfortable space and look and see if someone in their world needs some encouragement, a friend, a kind word. So that's what I'm hoping Helen's message will bring to some of the students. I love because you spoke at the beginning about including her entire life because I feel like so many, so many biographies, at least that I read growing up, really focused on her childhood because you can relate as a child, but mm-hmm. her enduring message and her legacy is really that what you just spoke of, which was later on in her life mm-hmm. about her philan- the philanthropic type of work that she did about helping others um, and bringing light to causes that weren't necessarily popular viewpoints at the time. So it's really amazing. Yep. yep. She also um, sort of became the spokesperson internationally for people um, who were deaf or blind or both in countries um, that sort of marginalized that population. And she would speak in places uh, like Japan and she would speak um, uh, to different groups of people, like maybe the Maori people who really said, if you were born or developed any of these um, issues, we're not going to include you in the, our main population. You know, you're over there. And so her message of, you know, um, she would often speak and say, and while well, learning to speak was also um, another part of her bravery um, and sort of overcoming what her voice sounded like and working very hard um, to be understandable. You know, she would often say things like, you know, I am not dumb. I am. Uh, you know, and talk about um, accomplishments and what 
people who are deafblind could achieve, what women can achieve. And so she changed a lot of um, perspective worldwide about um, just opening up opportunities for different uh, groups of people. I'm so excited for the for students to get their hands on this on this book. Um, I think it's marvelous. So, are you writing anything else um, right now? Well, this um, was the first biography I had written, and I loved it. It was so much fun, and I would um, be happy to write more biographies. Currently, I'm sort of working back with picture books. Um, I am working, um, doing something totally different, something that my agent had encouraged me in. And I'm working on nature picture books in verse right now, um, which is really a departure from everything that I've done before. And so I'm exploring things like um, forest bathing and some different elements of sea life and some different elements of um, alluvial rivers growing and uh, alluvial islands growing in rivers. Um, And so um, it's been very interesting to be sort of still and nature watching, and that's been wonderful for me. And so hopefully um, I might have something to report soon. So that's sort of what I'm trying right now. Awesome. Do you have a website that people can go to to see your picture books? Yes, it's www.jenniferelfgren.com. Awesome. And we'll put a link to that in the notes so people can see your other work. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited for this entire series to come out. And I encourage everyone, because it will be online for free download as well as for purchase, that you can preview Helen Keller and all of the other books. Thank you so much for having me. Um, You know, it's just been so wonderful talking about one of my favorite subjects. And um, I just hope that others find Helen Keller as inspiring and uplifting as I do. Me too. Thanks. Thank you. 